you know, happiness is a choice, right? It's not an emotion. It's a, it, it's a, a thought. You wake up in the morning, you say, I'm happy. I don't wait to see what the weather is like. I don't even check the weather. I don't wait to see what I'm going to encounter at the office to determine whether or not it's going to be a good day. I've never had a bad day in my life, including the day that I died or the day that I lost my brothers. I've had, had some moments that have been a little, <laughs> a little questionable in life, right? But you know, as far as I'm concerned, a day on this side of the grass is better than any other day on the other side, right? <laughs> and, and, that, and here's the thing. You know, I, I've got 86,400 seconds. I got 23,000 breaths and I've got 115,000 heartbeats every day. Hmm. I got a chance. This is the Home Service Success Podcast, your resource for growing your HVAC, plumbing, electrical, and residential contracting business through mindset development, sales, and marketing strategy. Our guest today is one of the most sought-after sales, marketing, and success advisors to home service contractors. He is the president and founder of Flow Odyssey, formerly HVAC Solutions, and Energy Design Systems, developing leading-edge technology along with consultative support in sales, marketing, recruiting, education, and more. With over 40 years of experience, he knows what it takes to build a multi-million dollar profit-generating home service business. He's a board member for EGIA and Black Belt Contracting. On top of all of that, he's got quite the personal story, and we're excited to share that with you today. So, Allow me to introduce Drew Cameron. What's up, Drew? Hey, Davis. How you doing? Thanks for the introduction. Absolutely. Dude, that's doing a pretty well. serious uh, intro you got there, Drew. <laughs> and I mean, you know, I've known you for a while and it's it's all true, but uh, oh, thank you. that's pretty impressive. You got yeah, a lot to be you. proud of about what you've done. No, I appreciate it, Stephen. And uh, you know, thank you to you and Davis for having me. And uh, I guess I guess when you plug in 44 years into anything, right, you know, you you, you you get some accolades along the way and some, some street credibility. So I've been very fortunate to be blessed by this industry and everybody in it and everybody attached to it. So, Well, and I think that speaks true to how hard you worked as a young man and earlier in your career. And that's kind of what I want to get into today is like that. Where did you find balance along this journey? And, uh, you know, obviously you're super involved in the industry, uh, but what, what did that journey look like overall? Let's kind of just start from the big picture there. I mean, it's, a, it's a great question. I, like I said, 44 you know, years in this business, I'm 56. And so I started, I mean, I, I even started before that, but my official on the job was at age 12. Um, wow. You know, come home from swim team practice and, and jump on a company truck after swim team practice. And well, now wait, I was a swimmer and swim team. That's just a lot of work in its own right, you know? Yeah. Swimming yes. 3,000 yards a day, and then you're getting in the truck. Yeah. So I was, uh, and we were very competitive. Uh, and I, I did, you know, won some awards there too and accolades there. But uh, um, yeah, we'd jump on the truck and, uh, you know, be part of the family business. And I'd ride along with, you know, with one of our installers and, and spend, you know, the days and weekends. And of course, as our listeners know, that, you know, when you're in the family business, you, you do anything and everything whenever it, it takes. In nights, weekends, holidays, and, and and so we learned that work ethic early on in the Cameron family. Um, but I was emptying trash cans in the company business before that, and you know cleaning the office. And back in the day when I guess you could actually smoke in a building, emptying ashtrays. 
Um, yeah, I, I go way back and, um, I, you know, I developed a work ethic. I, I wouldn't say I developed balance, uh, you know, and that, that led to things later in life, obviously rearing their ugly head. Mm. Indeed. Oh man. So, so when did you actually start, let's see here, uh, HVAC solutions, like what got you from going, working on the ground floor in the trades into being a con consultant and a coach? Well, having grown up in the trades and kind of working in every facet of the, the trades, um, you know, in the office, in the warehouse, in the shop, sheet metal shop, uh, doing, you know, uh, takeoffs on new construction and commercial blueprints, as well as doing, you know, residential sales, residential sales manager, marketing, general manager, every aspect of the contracting business, um, you know, all the way up until the early 90s, you know, that's what I did all the way through college, graduated from the University of Maryland, got my degree there and, and came into the uh, business out of college in 1990, uh, you know, full time and with the idea that I was going to take on leadership and drive, you know, the business to the next level. And then the bottom fell out due to the economy and, you know, new construction drying up and we were on the brink of bankruptcy. And we tried to write the ship for about two years and we couldn't write write the ship at all. It was, it was sinking fast, but uh, we decided to shift from a new construction company to become a uh, replacement in home services business. And uh, that's, that's kind of that journey started in 1990 on the brink of bankruptcy. I mean, we, and it was bad. I mean, the, the family dog died. My mom hit my dad with divorce papers. Uh, the union was picketing our jobs in our office. Uh, two builders went bankrupt and stuck us for half a million dollars worth of receivables. And there was some creative accounting. It wasn't embezzlement, but the, the books were handled improperly on work in progress billing. So we had another half a million dollars of worth of accounting issues going on. So about a million dollars worth of uh, top line revenue was never going to materialize as cash flow in our business. And we had to kind of shift and become that replacement and service business and indoor air quality business that we did. And we, we went from basically, we were doing about $6 million worth of business at that point roughly about 8% profit to where we ended up by the time we sold it uh, in 1996 to a local utility that was doing a consolidation in the region, uh, about an $8 million business and 22% net profit. And, and so when we sold it, that's when I kind of jumped ship there and I went to work for Service Experts, which was a publicly traded company. Did that for about a year and a half after working for the utility that bought my company for a year and a half. And then in 1999, I decided to, to kind of go out on my own. And I started uh, HVAC Solutions at that point. You know, that's a story. I don't, I mean, that's a really difficult story, but I hear the story about entering, you know, if you're a new construction business, just the struggle of that, you know, versus getting into residential. Um, so I think that's probably, you know, people can probably relate to that being like, you know, going from this hustle of the, the new construction and then realizing like, you know, the real scalable, sustainable business is serving the homeowner. Um, so that's interesting. Mm. The better margins, better cash flow in that business than the new construction yeah. uh, and, and in commercial as well. So that that became the shift from 1992 through 96. We, we were only doing probably about $600,000 in replacement in 1992. And we shifted that into, you know, basically... 6.2, 6.5 million right in that run rate area uh, in four years. And that was that was just the replacement side. Service became kind of a, 
in our mind at the time was the necessary evil. We needed the cash flow to turn things around and, and clean up some debt because my dad would had my dad, like I said, we were on the brink of bankruptcy because my dad signed personally everywhere, you know, just to save the company. And um, but you know, with a great team and uh, you know a lot of education, <laughs> we uh, we we learned how to, we learned how to become business people versus being contractors. Was that how did you learn that? Like who did you did you have a coach? Was there a best practice group? Because I'm trying to even think. You know, a lot of the best the current best practices groups weren't in existence. There was one that had started in 1990 called Contractor Success Group, uh, known as CSG, and that was Jim Abrams and John Young. Uh, their first go round before Airtime 500 started, and so we we had joined that. We learned about marketing. Uh, we learned sales uh, from a couple different different coaches. Sandler Sales Institute was primarily um, the leading organization that we participated in, and so we learned that, and we learned to morph that because Sandler. Um, in my opinion, it tends to be more B to B, and obviously we were becoming B to C. But you know, my brother and I, my older brother and I, you know, we learned that style, and then we learned to morph it so it worked at the kitchen table or in the living room, and we became very successful with it. And I mean, literally, we went up against people in our market, and we would win jobs for three thousand dollars more. By, by because we we bought into the mindset that we were three thousand dollars different, and we would basically make those differences be the differences that mattered. And uh, so, and of course, my father had hired a, a couple of different consultants in some areas, uh, just kind of help us tweak our businesses. And I learned all of those things in addition to what I learned in school, and we applied you know just good sound business principles to the business, and we got away from like I said, thinking like a contractor and really thinking like business people. And, and how to be a retailer, how to be a marketer, you know, how to sell professionally and, and not coerce people or, you know, we, we stopped negotiating price. We, in fact, that, that became a thing in our business. If you, if you discount price or negotiate price, you no longer work for the company. You don't even get a warning. It, it is a zero tolerance situation. And, and so we learned to own our value long before that ever became popular. And, and to this date, it's amazing how many contractors still out there are wheeling and dealing on price. Go for it, Davis. <laughs> well, ultimately- <laughs> I, so saw, I saw that. I saw something was coming up. <laughs> I did. So, okay. I'm glad that we're setting the stage here. Um, but Drew, what I, what I really want to do here is kind of get into the spiritual side of things that you discovered more recently. So we've set the stage in terms of like, like going through various challenges, having a lot of business discoveries, um, and there weren't a lot of resources out there at the time. And that just made you have to work that much harder. Um, but where did that end you up in the middle of your life? Yeah, no, great question. And, and, you know, developing that work ethic from a young age and just that, you know, that was the, my model of the world, right? Watching my father and my brothers and I and my sister and even my mom, and we were truly a family business, uh, you know, back in the day, that kind of set that work ethic in place and ingrained that into me. And that, that was a point of pride for me for the longest time. No one was out going to outwork me yeah. uh, or outstudy me. And, you know, after about 20, almost 20 years of doing that, I found that I literally worked myself to death. Um, you, you know, I was traveling nonstop. I, you know, that travel 
uh, stint of my life started in 1998 because of a non-compete situation. I had a five-year, five-state non-compete. And I was married at the time to a couple young kids. And um, my now ex-wife, you know, she didn't want to relocate. And so, um, you know, that, that meant jumping on planes to, you know, to do what I love. And, you know, I think I take care of myself pretty well physically as well as eating. And, and, uh, but sleeping probably was not high on the list. You know, and I told myself a story that I didn't, I didn't need that, you know, that I, I, I was going to out hustle and outwork anybody to help as many people as I possibly could and give back to this industry that has given me and my family, you know, everything. So let me ask and, really quick, was it a lack of sleep in terms of hours or was it not good quality sleep or maybe both that you were? Um, probably a little bit of both, but more of the lack of the hours. Okay. Uh, you know, I'd find myself staying up until two o'clock in the morning uh, you know, sending emails or creating content or, or researching and studying, uh, cause I wasn't going to get out worked or out studied either. And, and we were always, you know, you know, I was always deciding to reinvent what we were doing and how we were doing it. That's what kept my contractors on, the, you know, my contractor clients on the leading edge. And then, uh, you know, basically two years ago it was, uh, you know, July 20th, two years ago, uh, I was on vacation, first day of vacation with my son and his friend and my girlfriend and, I dropped dead of a heart attack, you know, and, and I had, I had so much stress, but I told myself I managed it, that I, I could handle this. this. You know, that's not that big a deal. It's just, it's just what I do. Right. And that's, this is what type A personalities do. And that comes with the territory as a coach and so forth. And um, didn't realize that literally, like I said, I worked myself to death that when the stress of the business was no longer there. And I went on vacation and was taking a break that, you know, the mind and the body said, okay, we've now got an opening to reset the table here. And I think the, you know, the, the heart and the soul said, all right, you know, Hey brain, you've been doing this your way for 54 years. Okay. And look where it's gotten us. Right. I will kill you to save us. And I literally believe that's what happened. You know, on that fateful day, I, you know, I, I woke up, I wasn't feeling good. I'd had some stress with a client. Uh, unfortunately, he was getting taken advantage of by somebody and I, and I was stressing for it for the client. And then I had a, a personal situation with my daughter who was traveling and, you know, trying to deal with that while we were on vacation and she was on vacation somewhere. And um, I woke up and just things were not, not feeling good that day. And um Decided to go to the hospital, but I never got the chance. I literally dropped in the hotel room um, after saying to my girlfriend that I wanted to go to the hospital. So you and were on your way. You could kind of feel it coming. And then it's just like, yeah. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Didn't know what was happening. She just said, do you want to go to the hospital? I said, yeah, I probably we probably should. And she says, it's first day vacation. It's probably nothing, you know, a little anxiety or something like that, or maybe what you ate last night or whatever. Um, I said, yeah, let's go, you know, let's go get it checked out. Um, because it was my right side. It wasn't the left side. It was the right side. And um, it was just t tightness in the chest. And uh, so I dropped. She and, and she, she knew exactly what to do. She went right to work. She jumped on and started, you know, uh, chest compressions. And she knew not to breathe uh, because, unfortunately, I had lost my brother the year before, my older brother, and I lost my younger brother 13 years prior to that. So unfortunately, Kim had an understanding as to, you know, as to what to do based on, you know, prior history. And she pumped my heart for 20 minutes till the paramedics got there. And that's, that's actually when my heart stopped. <laughs> so I had the heart attack, 
which is just a lack of blood in the heart. The heart stopped, uh, which is sudden cardiac arrest, you know, when the paramedics got there. And so I got shocked twice in the, in the hotel, twice in the ambulance, and once in the emergency room before they put me under and, and went in and found out that 50% of my heart was blocked. I had lo uh, lower left coronary and right coronary arteries were 100% blocked. And um, so they went in, cleaned it out, put in two stents. And, you know, I basically three and a half days later, you know, God bless, I was out of the hospital and sitting on the beach in Myrtle Beach. Oh, my God. That is just an insane story. So you were, were you clinically dead then for a period of time? Uh, I mean, that's what they say when you flatline. Yeah. You know, and, you know, 95% of people who have a heart attack, which is just your heart not getting blood, will recover. Only like 0.1% of the people who have sudden cardiac arrest recover. And it's like goes down to like 0.0001% survive multiple cardiac arrests. And that, that was my situation. So uh, someone was looking out for me that someone was looking yeah. out for me. That day. I was going to say, talk you, about you were, you're meant to be here, my friend. You weren't, you were not done on this planet yet. Yeah. I, and I honestly believe that, you know, I, uh, yeah. there was a moment people asked me, did I cross over? Did I have a spiritual awakening or, you know, God or, you know, something, you know, and, and I can't say that I did. I've not gone through hypnosis and tried to recover any of that. Cause I have a kind of a vivid re recollection as to what happened. I woke up at one point. So I thought, uh, and I saw, you know, I saw white light uh, and I was looking up but it was not the white light that you, you know people think. It was literally the operating room. And I saw two people talking above me and one, they were wearing masks and caps and gowns and all that. And uh, one guy had glasses and I could see them talking and I, but I couldn't hear them. And I wanted to speak, but I couldn't. I had I, something I was like, I wanted to talk and I couldn't get anything out. And I realized something was blocking my, my, my airway. So I, it was, I was intubated. And so I went to take it off my face and they saw me do it because I wanted to speak because I thought they thought I was dead. And I'm like thinking, I'm still here. Hey, I, you know, fight for me. I'm ready to fight. You know, I'm, I'm here. And uh, they just, you know, it was the two doctors. And they told me later, they told me, you know, yeah, you tried to take your, your, your breathing tube out. We had to stop you. We had to uh, put you under. But we had not begun the operation yet. And you, you, you kind of came to, you came conscious. And so we... You know, we went in and cleaned things out and everything was fine. And they, they, they were shocked that I remembered all of that. Um, but so I didn't have the crossover, but I had that. And so I did some introspection and in, uh, on, on that event. And I'm, and I spoke to uh, my leadership coach who I've been working with for a couple of years. And I, and I said to him, he said, just what Steven said, you know, your time's not done. You're meant to do something. I think you need to look, you know, look into what that is. And you know, kind of pay attention to the voice, the soul, the spirit versus the, the voice in the head, right? And, you know, the vagus nerve runs between the brain and the, and the gut. And they, that's why they talk about your gut brain today being so important. For every, every signal the brain sends out to the body, okay, through the vagus nerve, nine come back. And so your gut brain, your intuition is, is more insightful than your your dinosaur brain that wants to talk you out of things, the fight or fight, you know, uh, brain wants to do. And, and so that's why I said to you a little bit earlier is that I honestly believe it was a fight for my life between my, my soul and my brain saying, 
you know, listen, we're going to get, we're going to get you know, into the heart. We're going to get into the soul of matters and we're not going to live from the brain primarily anymore. And that became a kind of an, an awakening, you know, for me is that I, you know, when you literally work yourself to death, well, I don't think you get to do that twice in a lifetime, right? right. <laughs> Something's got to shift. And, and that, be, that became kind of the, uh, the awakening on the, the spiritual journey. Oh my gosh. So three days later, you're sitting on Myrtle beach, just kind of like staring out. I mean, that's just gotta be a moment of utter reflection and just like, okay, major changes are needed and kind of like going through the last 20 years of your life, probably like, what was I thinking? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's emotional to think about it because obviously I had already lost two brothers. Um, and you know, I, I believe there was a soul contract from, from, if you've seen the movie soul by Disney, Disney, I think it's Disney Pixar, it's there's, there's elements of that that really resonate, you know, that I picked this life and I picked, you know, how to show up in this life and they picked how to show up in this life. But I believe they also picked, you know, when they were going to leave as well. And, 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 and I picked that with them. And so we had this family soul contract. I honestly believe it's why I'm with Kim, you know, my girlfriend to this day, it's how we came about and our, our story came about anyway. Uh, yeah. We were sitting on the beach and it was, I, I was just blown away as to the fact that I was still here. And uh, my business partner, Russ Horrocks, you know, he, uh, he, he got together with Kim and he showed up, you know, my, my first day out of the hospital and just said, you know, I, I had to see you, you know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't let another day go by without driving down and, and just saying thank you for all you've ever done for me and the impact that you've made on my life and my family. And so, yeah, it was, it was one of those moments where I was reflecting with my son and his friend and my girlfriend, but then Russ shows up and we're having that conversation with him and clients had reached out to both, you know, he and I, uh, cause he had passed the word along to people that, you know, what had happened. And yeah, so it was definitely a moment of, of reflection and just saying, you know, how did I get here? And what has to change. And that's something that's a, you know, when you have 54 years of ex, you know, experiences and conditioning, that's a lot to undo, right? It wasn't all bad, right? It, you know, I learned a lot of great things, met a lot of, you know, great people and did a lot of, you know, fun and exciting things and made, you know, had a lot of success, made a lot of impact. But yeah. now, you know, the impact is different. It's not only, it's no longer just about business. It has to be about self. You know, for me, as well as for everybody on my team that I work with, as well as every business I go into, I won't work with a company if I don't get to, to work with the people on a personal level. Yeah. So we talk about habit building on this podcast a little bit. And I think that's probably where maybe where you're going with this is like now that you're coaching, consulting others before they get to this point where they've been hustling for 20, 30 years and hit, you know, a tragic or maybe, you know, in your case, it wasn't tragic, but it was just about um, before they hit that point. It's like, how can we build habits, both personal and professional that are going to be sustainable? Yeah, exactly. It has to be sustainable. It has to be healthy. You know, hence the, you know, the, the change in the name from HVAC solutions to flow odyssey flow being peak performance and odyssey being, you know, spiritual journey or journey. Right. And so, we want to help the individuals as well as the corporation achieve flow odyssey, peak performance. 
And it's a journey. It's a process because it has to be an evolution as well. And I'm, and I'm glad that I'm a, a cautionary tale, not a tragedy, you know, for, for the people that I get to work with. And I mean, I, I now in the last several years of working with people, and I had begun a little bit of this evolution prior to the heart attack. So, you know, I just kind of doubled down on it because I, I met a gentleman that Steve and I both know his name's, you know, Dr. Steve Young. I met him at um, one of my best friends from college's wedding back in December of 18. And I was having a conversation with him about how my older brother had passed and my younger brother had passed. And, and he was kind of talking to me, you know, through this. And so he's become my wellness doctor. And instead of dealing with Western medicine, which is really a, a medicine pill pop, you know, sick based model, this is all about, you know, wellness and mindset and, and, and being healthy. And so we, our mantra now is, you know, healthier business, healthier businesses, happier lives with the idea being is it starts at the top with ownership and leadership. You know, you got to have a healthy relationship. You got to take care of yourself. You got to, you know, uh, sleep, eat right, exercise. And so I now go into businesses and I coach leadership on, and, and the people lightly, I, I don't go full on life coach onto these people, but I tell them, listen, the, the only way I can grow the capacity of you in your role is, is to grow your identity as a human being. Right? So I had to grow the people in order to grow the role. If I grow the people, we'll grow the role, we'll grow the business. The old business model was hammer out on growing the role to grow the business, processes, procedures, things of that nature. And we had success. We had nowhere near the level of success now that we focus on the people side first. We always check in with the human first. When anything ever goes you know, uh, wrong with anybody in the business, Right? Performance is down for some reason. We check in with the human first. How's your life? What's going on at home? How's your health? Are you sleeping right? Are you eating right? We let them know that we care. We don't have a head count. We have a heart count at the businesses. Dude, I love this stuff. And <clears throat> so I have a lot of questions, but yeah. let's first I'll state this. I'm a firm believer that you know the inner world is where our world is created, right? What we think about, what we feel, what we're, uh, you know, emotionally connected with. Um, if we're thinking about, you know, gratitude and joy and success and things like that, that's what happens in the outer world. If we're thinking about fear and scarcity and lack and frustration and hate, that's what shows up in our outer world. And, you know, Davis gets to hear it all the time. Everybody at WIT does. And, you know, Drew, you and I have talked about it a ton, but I say it maybe just for people that are listening, because I can hear some of the comments like, I bet this resonates with some people. And I bet other people are like, dude, I'll work on that shit when it like <laughs> next year after I get a little bit more money. And, but that's why I, I like to say it this way. Like the, the outer world is a direct reflection. That's all it is. It's a, it's a hundred percent, a direct reflection of what's happening in our inner world. So if you don't like something in your outer world, meaning whatever it is, I don't care. Your profit's not up. Your business isn't running as smooth as it, as it, as you'd like it to. And you know, you're having to work 70 hours a week. The only way, well, the best way, and really 99%, the only way you can fix it is to work on the inner world, right? Because it's just a direct reflection. And so I think this is such an important conversation. I just want to make sure people are actually listening because, you know, Drew, I'm sure you've at some point in your life, uh, you know, I know Davis at some point in his life has, and I know I have too said like, okay, yeah, yeah. I, I get that stuff. And I know it's important, but I got shit to do here right now. 
I'll deal with that tomorrow. And so your story is impactful because people get to see that, you know, you might not always get tomorrow. I mean, you're, you're young, right? I mean, it's not like you're 85 or 90 years old um, and, and you're starting to, you know, have health problems. Like you're young and this came relatively out of the blue, right? I mean, how many contractors do we know that are doing exactly what you were doing? They're like, yeah, like, dude, I'll sleep when I'm dead, right? Like, I don't, I don't need sleep. Like, it's, it's imperative that people pay attention to this right now. And personally, I think that the industry is poised for it. Like, personal development came into the industry, what, 15, 20 years ago, but it was kind of like a rah-rah personal development, which is still good, right? It still opens the door. And now, I think that we're, you know, the home service industry is seeing so much money. All these contractors, like they're crushing their biggest goals that they ever thought they could have. And if they're honest with themselves, when they go to bed at night, there's something tugging at them. Like they're still not happy, right? Like they check every single box, this profit margin, this amount of revenue, this size company. They're like, dude, I, I, I literally accomplished everything, but they're still stressed, right? They're still unhappy. They're still missing something. And this stuff that we're talking about, that is this, like, yeah, this leads to fulfillment and happiness and, and massively more of the other things that we think are good, like the money and the profit and stuff like that. Like that comes tenfold when you work on this type of stuff. Exactly. It, you know, I mean, it's literally working smart and not hard as they say. Right. But we're, you know, the, the, all the cliches are out there from every business book, right. You know, working on the business versus working in the business and, and all of that stuff. Those are, those are just platitudes though. If it doesn't start right here with you though, and you don't take care of yourself, I mean, I, I see the people on Facebook and these, they post their stories and are in these groups and they have the cars and they have houses and they're going on vacations and they got all this stuff and, you know, shoes, clothes, jewelry, whatever it is that they've got. Right. And, and they, and it's the, let, let me show you what I've done and what I've accomplished. Right. And, you know, revenue, they've got this, you know, giant revenue, but you know, are they profitable? Are they making 15 to 20% net profit? You come to find out that the average contractor makes two to 4% net profit. Again, they can get bigger, two to 4% of a bigger number is more, but if you're not making 15 to 20%, you're not getting the juice for the squeeze. So it's historical hyperactivity, but you're not really truly getting results. You got a lot of stuff in your life too, but if you go look at the health of some of these people or the quality of their relationships, a lot of them don't eat, right? They don't sleep, right? They're overweight. Uh, they might be diabetic, pre-diabetic. I mean, we just lost a good friend uh, from Colorado Springs a few weeks ago. Uh, pre-diabetic, asthma, you know, not in the greatest health, working his butt off. And, you know, at 50, I think he was 55, 56 years old. You know, he passed away. Um, another gentleman I just saw passed away at, at 54 years old. Um, and somebody I met at the Tony Robbins event. And, you know, just not taking care of himself, themselves. And so, yes, if we take care of this first, we can do everything because this is the foundation for everything. You got to get the mind right. You get the body right. You get the soul right. You get your relationship with your significant other right. Okay. Your relationship with your kids right. And, and that doesn't mean buying them things and taking them places. It means actually being present and being, you know, being there for them and, and, you know, helping your significant other, you know, be, see that they, you know, that you love them and that you care for them and that you're there for them. It's not what you have, what you've accomplished and, and the things that you can do for them. You know, at the end of the day, if you ask anybody, they'd rather have the relationship than the things. 
mean, that's yeah. yeah, that's what they bought in. A lot of times, unfortunately, you have to get the person that's 85 years old to tell you that, right? At 55 or 60, it, you know, especially 40 and I mean, hell, anything under 30, it, like you're a whole different level if you can see that. But yeah. um, unfortunately, you have to look out that far in a lot of cases. So, I mean, how do you how do you start helping people do this work and how do you address things like you know let's let's assume some of the people listening to this are like okay yeah like i get it that that's important but like dude now you want me to add in physical fitness and you want me to add in dieting and you want me to you know meditate for an hour a day and you want me to journal and then you want me to do date night twice a week with my wife or my husband and then you want me to like hang out with the kids like holy shit like dude i'm already i'm already dying as it is just trying to make ends meet. Um, like, what do you, what do you say to people like that? That, that I, I think there's, there's gotta be a crack, right? There has to be some initial, like, yeah, I hear what you're saying and it resonates, but I have no clue. Somebody that this doesn't resonate with, they're just not, they're not ready to make that move yet. But for that person, it's like, okay, I got it. You have my attention. I know I need to do something, but like, come on, where do you even start on something like this? Yeah. I mean, it's a great question. I mean, and it is, again, it doesn't all happen all at once. I mean, let's put it this way. You know, you didn't get, I always like to say, you didn't get into this shit overnight. You're not going to get out of it overnight. Right. And, and so uh, it's going to take some time and here's here. All we have to do is don't beat yourself up. Don't, don't, you know, don't blame or complain or explain, you know, you know, that's just, cause that all leads to guilt and shame right? It's just ownership. Take ownership of it. So I took ownership of 54 years of, you know, that got me to, you know, to my deathbed basically and said, okay, there's nothing wrong with it. It's not good or bad or right or wrong. It is what it is. It happened. It was based off of what I knew in my model of the world. I said, okay, I'm changing the model of my world. What can I do? You know, what's, what's one thing I can do, right? And then what's another thing I can do? And then you start to ask better questions. What's the most extraordinary thing I can do? Right. And so you got to get one win. And that's the way I look at it. Everybody will always ask the, you know, the one question, well, what can I do? I don't know. Well, that's the, that's the, you know, that's the, this brain saying, you know, playing small. So, you know, so you ask other questions that, like I said, will, will take you to a better answer. So I think the problem is, is smart people think they need to have all the answers, uh, have all the answers or need to have all the answers. And geniuses ask better questions and more of them. And so I like to think of myself as a genius. I don't have all the answers. I realize how much there is yet for me to know, but I'm going to find the people that have the answers or are living the life, you know, the way I want to live. And then I'm going to model that. And so I did something as simple as just, okay, let's start exercising a little bit. Right. And, you know, and now I do, I do 200 pushups every day in addition to anything else I do. Okay. And that, that actually started at, at 80 pushups and has morphed up to 200. And I could push that to, to even more, but I do, other, I do other workouts as part of my day. I shouldn't even say workouts. They're, it's just movement. I actually don't break and go to the gym. I get movement and I can drop and do you know, uh, 50 push-ups at any given moment, do 50 squats, you know, 50 crunches, uh, you know, lunges. Any given point in time throughout my day, it doesn't have to be all concentrated like go to the gym. That's the mistake that we make. We, you know, here, here's the thing. How often in your life does your body ever move like you move at the gym? 
Never. You're constantly going cross body and you know, angling things and stretching and grabbing things. It's never this, right? <laughs> but, but that's what we think we need to do. We need to jump on a treadmill. Okay, well, how probable is that in your life? You'd be better off going out for a long walk. Like I did this week, I just got home from the beach. So we, went, we, we were walking along the boardwalks and we went for a little bit of run. Then we walked and we ran for a little bit of a run. We played on the beach a little bit. Yeah. I mean, we, we've talked about it, Stephen. If you can just make life play, you'd be and, and see play as productive. The problem in our industry is we don't look as play as productive. We look at people will say, you got to work hard. You got to play hard. Okay. Well, that's not really a, a, a great, it's a bumper sticker. I don't know if it's a great life model. Um, yeah, so I- Well, because then everything say, you do is hard. Even your play is hard, right? You're like, oh man, I got to fit in four hours of off-roading and I got to go 70 miles an hour in my new Can-Am and get it filthy with mud and cover the most trails so that I like fit it all in, right? Your yeah. play actually, for the most part, became work yeah. and it became hard. Yeah, I mean, vacation was not, people go on vacation, right? And then they stress themselves out on vacation with getting to go see the sites or go to the park and get the tickets. And I got to, I got to do all these things while I'm on vacation, right? And I just, I went and parked it on a beach or, or at the pool, right? And yeah. what, are we, you know, where, what are we doing for dinner? I mean, that was another thing. I, I shifted the way I eat. I basically eat one meal a day now. Um, you know, and that's, that's what works for me. And you have to find what works for you. And I think that's the biggest thing is change the way you look at the world. That's really kind of what you, you talked about is change the way you see things. Just because this is the way I, I see it, guess what? I created this movie. If I don't like how it's playing out, I am the writer, the producer, the director, and the lead actor. I can change it all just like that. And, and that's what I decided to do. And basically in two years now, it's been just two years, uh, just over two years, my life has completely shifted. I mean, I, the relationship, I unfortunately, you know, because I worked myself to death years ago, you know, the, the marriage ended, but I still have two great kids. Um, I've now been with Kim for seven years and uh, we have a, a wonderful life together and continuing to build that and explore what that could be. And, um, and we just have fun in, in the moment. And, and that's the key is I chose to be in the moments, right? You don't see me post a whole bunch of stuff on social media, if anything. It might be work stuff that I post, if anything at all, right? But I, I'm living the life. I don't need to show other people my life. I mean, they'd be there with me if they were that important, right? It's not to say you guys aren't important, but it's like, you know what? I, I just don't live my life out there. I, I don't need to broadcast it, right? Because I'm, I'm in the moment. I, I don't, don't look at me. You look at your own life. How about you look at your own relationship? Mm. You know, don't show me what you're eating. <laughs> just make sure it's healthy. You know, that's, that's the way I look at it. And so uh, I think it's unfortunately this, this me too society of let me see, you know, let me show you too what I'm doing and what I've got, what I've accomplished. Um, this comparison lifestyle that people are living, I think has, you know, just led to a lot of misery you know, and lack. And no matter how much you think you're getting ahead, somebody's always got more money, a bigger house, nicer cars, something, right? And if that's how you measure your success, then like you said earlier, I think success without film fulfillment is the ultimate failure, you know? And, and I'm very fulfilled now in my, in how I feel about myself, my health, my relationships, because not any of that was good prior. 
told myself a story that it was, or like you said, I, eventually I'll do this when. One of my takeaways I'm, I'm gathering here is kind of revive the child, right? That childhood curiosity around the your idea of genius and asking bigger questions, different questions, the childhood element of play more, live in the moment. You know, we get so jaded and just so run down by society and the expectations and self-judgment and judging others. And what did he post on social media? What am I going to post on social media? It's like, none of that actually matters at the end of the day. No, there's a lot of good education out there on social media. I mean, I, I'm not saying I'm against it, you know, or shaming anybody for it, but I think unfortunately too many people live their lives, you know, based on it and, and yeah. want to show the world everything that they're doing. And um, they tell themselves a story around it too. And again, no, not guilty or shaming anybody for their life choices. There's no right or wrong or good or bad. It just is what it is. And you have to decide what works for you in your life. And what you know, makes us happy. Yeah. I think that's the key happiness, health and happiness are everything. If you've got that, you can do anything, you know, and um, mm. and you'll be better at it. If you put the, you'd be surprised how much more productive you get the less you do. And I know that's kind of you know an oxymoron, but you get more productive the less that you do. I mean, let's put it this way: no matter how many hours our listeners tell themselves and tell others that they work every day they only have four to six hours of productivity. So you could be 12 hours from the time you got to the office until you left the office at night and then went home and worked on stuff too. But the true level of productivity during the day was no more than four to six hours. So the key is to find out what gets you into flow state, which is into productivity, and then you know, optimize that. Mm. And then that is really what you focus on. And then all this other stuff is like, you got, you got plenty of time for a workout. Okay. You got plenty of time to make a healthy food choice. You got plenty of time to get good sleep. You got plenty of time to go date night or, you know, uh, get to your kids sporting events or recitals or whatever it is that you're missing in life. Mm. Right. And yes, you can build a very, very successful business. Yeah. And I love, you know, you mentioned basically presence, right. And, Davis mentioned something that made me think of this kind of analogy, but you know, the, the present moment is really all we have, right? We can't impact the past and we can't live the future yet. We can only really impact this current moment. And so what happens is, is that um, most of us, and I used to be extremely guilty of this uh, when building like my first probably two companies, but we, we spend most of our day thinking about what happened in the past that we can't change, right? We replay scenarios, you know, oh man, that meeting, I should have said this, I should have said that, like, I can't believe that person did that, this to me, whatever. And we replay all those scenarios over and over and there's nothing we can do about them. And, or we're thinking about the future. We're thinking about what could go right, what could go wrong. Most of the time it's what could go wrong. Um, thinking about how we're never gonna hit that goal that we put out there. So we're already, we're already starting to emotionally have the reaction as if that thing that we're fearful of has happened. So we spend a huge majority of our day living in a past or in a future. And as you, you are more than well aware of, like if you play a scenario in your mind 
you're going to actually experience it emotionally just as if you, if you would if it was happening. So if you have a coworker that you're frustrated with and you're driving to the office and you're like, I'm going to have a fucking conversation with this guy and I'm going to ream him. And I can't believe he did this to me. Well, you're, you're in the same emotional state as if that conversation is actually happening. And, you know, Drew to like, to what some of the stuff that happened to you, you're living in that state of stress all the time. And it's not even real. You're sitting in your car. So one of the biggest things that like the, the, the biggest skills I wish people, I wish I would have learned this a long time ago. And I wish it was something that we could teach is awareness, right? If we can start to be more aware of what is it that we're thinking about and how are we feeling? And is that in alignment with what we want, right? Like is, you know, I'm feeling frustrated and angry and annoyed and scarcity and fear, but yet I keep saying, all I want to feel is fun, fulfillment, freedom, and I'm never actually feeling it. So if we're expecting a situation to give us fulfillment, we're never going to get it. We have to find fulfillment in the situation, in whatever situation we're in right now. So even if your business is whatever, a quarter of the size that you want it to be, and you don't have enough people, how are you still going to walk into your all company meeting in five minutes? Are you going to show up and allow that meeting to be fulfilling and happy and and uh, exciting to you, and you're going to give them your all, and you're going to show up from a place of gratitude and excitement, or are you going to show up as that future self of unknown fear and scarcity, and 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 all constricted and stressed and all of that? Like, find find a way to find fulfillment in each moment. Be if you want more gratitude in your life or more fun, find a way right now to make whatever the hell it is you're about to walk into fun. Make that meeting more fun. Make that conversation more fun. You know, be grateful for the stuff that you do have. Don't start feeling about all the stuff you don't have that's in some non-existent future moment yet. So I think about that all the time. Like find fulfillment in in what you have now. And then what'll happen once you fix the inner world, the outer world is just a reflection of it. You want to find you want to figure out a way how to make a hell of a lot more money real quick, fix the inner game. And then that reflection externally will come back tenfold. hundred percent. I mean, I, you know, you're spot on with everything that you said. I mean, you know, time, time is a concept created by man, right? I mean, so, you know, it's a construct of man there, you know, it, time doesn't exist. We are a, a gaseous ball hurtling through space. When people talk about time and climate change and everything that's going on, it's like, I mean, don't you think some crazy stuff's going to happen? You know, we're, we're just hurtling through space. And so if you think of time as linear, linear, then, you know, I think that's part of the problem time. And I learned this concept through a, a book I listened to called conversations with God. And it's not what you think it is. It's a really compelling read. And, but time is vertical and every moment exists at every moment. And you see this portrayed in certain movies. You see it portrayed in, in the MCU with the Marvel Comics Universe and the Avengers whole series that we just saw, right? That they can get to different points in time. Um, Loki, the television series that was just on uh, on Disney Plus. Interstellar with Ma- uh, Matthew uh, McConaughey was another one where you can access different points of time at any given moment in time. And so you might think that's a little woo-woo, a little, sp- a little out there, right? But I know you've done some you know, research, research on this, Stephen. And it, it, you know, when you start to think about it that way, it's like, now, now things actually make more sense, right? That isn't woo-woo because again, if I apply it to how things have shown up in my life, now I understand 
you know, how I can manipulate them. That's why when I go into people's businesses, we don't have a vision statement that says to be blank, 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 right? It is, we are this. Because if we state this is who we are, even though we may not be a $10 million business yet, if we state that we are a $10 million business, we'll act like a $10 million business. We'll do things that $10 million businesses do. We'll behave a certain way. We'll treat people a certain way. You know, happiness is a choice, right? It's not an emotion. It's a, it, it's a, a thought. You wake up in the morning, you say, I'm happy. I don't wait to see what the weather is like. I don't even check the weather. I don't wait to see what I'm going to encounter at the office to determine whether or not it's going to be a good day. I've never had a bad day in my life, including the day that I died or the day that I lost my brothers. I've had, had some moments that have been a little, <laughs> a little questionable in life, right? But you know, as far as I'm concerned, a day on this side of the grass is better than any other day on the other side, right? <laughs> and, and, that, and here's the thing. You know, I, I've got 86,400 seconds. I got 23,000 breaths and I've got 115,000 heartbeats every day. Hmm. I got a chance, right? Right. There's a lot of people who didn't get up this morning, right? And so like you said, how about be grateful for your heart? How often do you just put your hands on your heart and just say, thank you, thank you, right? We don't do it. And you know, our friend, Dr. Steve has taught me to do that. You know, breathe into your heart, be meditative. And, and meditation isn't this woo-woo thing that you have to sit down in 20 minutes and kind of, you know, music and you know, all funky things and sounds and stuff like that. I can just sit here and think and breathe for three minutes. And it is like a power nap for an hour. So. Well, I think, so one, like I was just sitting here looking at the time. These conversations with you, especially, always go by really quick. I thought we were like 15 minutes in. I didn't realize we're like at the very end. But I think that's actually a perfect place to wrap this because what you gave is so important. Just take a couple moments a day to like feel into your heart, feel grateful, feel find something to be grateful for. Like it's it may seem silly, but. I, I know we know based on experience, it will ch that something as small as that will change your life. It'll change your life. Yeah. And, and, and you can take that over to the contracting world too, right? You can just say, I got a service call today. I have a lead today. How about just be grateful that you actually have an opportunity? Okay. You're all looking for revenue, but how about you just be grateful? You, you know, another human being asked you to come out and have a conversation with them and give them information so they can make a decision that will change their life. That's, that's all you get. How about be grateful for the opportunity? It may turn into revenue, it may not, but you have an opportunity to impact this person's life. So how about just be grateful for that? And when I start to help people see that, and they just, you know, they, they, they lose their attachment to the outcome. That's the reason most people are not happy. They are attached to, pre-attached pre to predetermined outcomes that they want to have happen. Instead of just basically saying, you know what, be happy with the journey, be happy with the process, be happy with the opportunity. You know, John Wooden, uh, I'll leave you with this thought. John Wooden, famous UCLA basketball coach of the 70s, won 10 NCAA titles at 1.7 in a row. Unprecedented, 83% winning percentage. Never coached the word win or winning, not in practice, not in pregame, not at halftime. He said the results will be what they should be, when they should be, based on how we execute. And I'm going to take the emotional ups and downs of winning and losing out of the game. 
So we're not going to we're not going to focus on that. We're going to execute and be the highest versions of ourselves as human beings. I mean, he would literally start with teaching. You get into mindset stuff, but he would literally start with teaching the players how to put on socks. Because if you don't put your socks on right, you get blisters. If you get blisters, you can't practice. If you can't practice, you can't play. But we don't think about that. We don't think about taking care of the individual first. And we all need to start right here, right? Just like when the oxygen masks fall down from the plane, you got to put yours on first. Or you're no good to anybody else next to you. So it's, you're supposed to be a little selfish. Yeah. You know? Most people, wake, most people wake up to their phone, right? They wake up to their phone and they're on their phone. They're in their phone. They're on social media. They're watching the news. They're with the dogs. They're with the kids. They're with their significant other. And they don't take time you know, for themselves to get present and take care of themselves. 10, 15 minutes, like you said, Steve. That's all you need is to yep. set the intention for the day. All right, Drew. Well, thank you so much. This was incredibly inspiring. My gosh, I'm going to have to re-listen to this and give this just some more thought myself. Um, there might be a follow-up interview here. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> we got yeah, now that we got my backstory out of the way, yeah, we can we can focus on the fun stuff. Exactly. Well, hey, thank you so much for joining us. I want to point our audience, uh, if, if you want to learn more about Drew and what he's doing, uh, working with consultants, check out flowodyssey.us um, or eds.tech, um, both of his businesses. And if you want to join the discussion um, for more home service marketing and success, join the Facebook group, Home Service Marketing and Success, or visit witdelivers.com. Thank you all so much for listening and go out and implement some of this in your own lives. All right. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks for listening to the Home Service Success Podcast. Now, a message from our sponsor. If you're ready to take your contracting business to the next level, you have to attend EGIA Contractor University's annual EPIC 2021 event, the most highly anticipated educational event of the year for the home services industry. EPIC 2021 will take place October 28th and 29th, at Paris Las Vegas on the iconic Las Vegas Strip. Featuring celebrity keynote presenters like Damon John of Shark Tank, John Taffer of Bar Rescue, and Captain Sully Solenberger, airline pilot from the Miracle on the Hudson. There will be breakout sessions delivered by legendary industry experts, access to best-in-class product and service providers, dynamic networking opportunities, and an unforgettable evening party. You can even come hang out with me at Media Row as I record the Home Service Success Podcast live. You can get $50 off registration with my code SUCCESS at epic2021event.com. That's coupon code SUCCESS at epic2021event.com. You won't want to miss it.